not gonna make it. I failed. Goku? You haven't failed, eh? But everyone thinks I'm dead again. They think I've abandoned them. And I'm losing this war. I'm letting the whole world down. If anyone is to blame for the state of the world, it is me. I should have seen this war coming and prevented it. You inherited my problems and my mistakes. But I believe you are destined to redeem me and save the world. I don't know. You already saved the world. And you'll save the world again. But you can't give up. You're right. I won't give up. Welcome once again to the Bitter Jurist Podcast. We are a queer Avatar The Last Airbender superfan podcast. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Derek Crane, and I am joined by a man who is... I can't think of anything from this episode that's goofy enough to make a tagline out of it, so here's Sam Stanish. Oh my gosh, so excited we're here. It's the beginning of the end of of the beginning of the end of an era. And I'm excited to talk about book three. We're finally here. Feels like it's been a long time coming. And then I think, and I'm like, okay, well, we only started doing this the week after Survivor ended. So I was like, I mean, like eight months ago at this point. So it has been uh, quite the, quite the time, and long yep, time coming. It has been, right. And almost an entire baby could have been born in this in this time. And probably will. our baby, the podcast. Yes, <laughs> it's true. Um, speaking of babies, I don't know. <laughs> uh, here we have. Uh, He's my baby. Oh, oh, cute. Sam's biological son, Matt Campbell, is here. Hello, hi. Thank you for having me. That is having factual. You. I am Sam's son. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. From the future, in a Trunks Dragon Ball Z sort of scenario. Mm-hmm exactly like that yeah for the yeah. listeners at home you can't see the lavender sort of bob that's going on here with matt or the sword behind his back yep mm-hmm. yeah this all kind of happened in quarantine my hair turned into a purple bob <laughs> a sword just grew out of my spine it was nuts <laughs> sounds painful yeah <laughs> matt, matt how are you doing uh i'm good um yeah you know just uh, hanging out i've been gaming a lot uh yeah uh well do you want to tell us and the viewers like uh or not viewers listeners whatever wow we're struggling today (laughs) uh like what is your avatar the last airbender journey did you like watch while it aired did you come to it late like what's what's are you a netflix (laughs) add-on Um, well, I remember I watched the show when I was a kid, but I never, I don't think I ever watched it in order. I think I just like caught episodes when they were on. Um, but I I don't think I ever saw any of book three. And then when it got added to Netflix, um, I watched through all of it. So in some ways, yes, I am a Netflix add on, um, some ways I've been here the whole time. Wow. wow. 
And there's no shame in either experience, and you have both of them, so that's perfect. Mm -hmm. Yes, twice the non-shame. Thank you. It would it would be easy to miss book three. Derek and I were talking a little bit about this <laughs> online, offline this week, but in the there after book two finished, it was nine months later that book three started. And they aired the first like eight episodes, and then it was another nine months before they finished the series. Wow. Right. Yeah, and um, there's even a, like a chunk of episodes near the end of book three that literally came out on DVD before they even aired on television. So, yeah, Nickelodeon just royally <laughs> fucked up this, like, I don't know, like the Return of the King that they had on their hands. They were like, we're going to just, like, divide up this movie in three parts and release part of it on DVD first. It was just horrible. Yeah, they just seemed like uh, that they did not care. Nope. I couldn't, I mean, I almost couldn't believe it was only nine months. I remember that period of my life in the seventh grade just being like, what is going to happen to them? And it took so long <laughs> to know. Like, that was, this was such a cliffhanger. And that, like, no other show in my experience outside of like a writer's strike or a pandemic, like, goes on a break for nine months. Like, I just, like, there's, there's nothing, there's almost, I've almost, there's nothing like that in any other show that I like enjoy or engage with at all. Right. <laughs> it, I, yeah. was, I was going to say um, Rick and Morty does that, but then you added on the enjoy or engage with part. And <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Wow. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I was going to, we've, I've compared it to like Steven universe before for whatever reason, animation, especially just like is a lightning rod of people having no earthly idea how to like just air a television show. They just completely <laughs> forget how that works. Suddenly it's weird. Yeah, well, there's all the animation just takes a lot of time, right? True. More than like a shoot would. So you got to give them a little bit, uh, forgive them a little bit. Mm, I don't think I will. <laughs> no forgiveness. I don't here. forgive and I don't forget. Mm -mm. <laughs> okay, Nickelodeon, watch out. <laughs> yeah, we're coming for you, Viacom. <laughs> I mean, they're on Fire Blast on this podcast quite a bit. Uh, Matt. What element would you say most strongly resonates with you? Uh, okay, so I was, I didn't know you were going to ask this, but I was hoping you would, and I thought about it a lot. Um, Great. And I think, uh, honestly, uh, pr uh, probably fire, but not like the weird evil fascist fire, <laughs> like when Zuko never, <laughs> like, like the like good kind. A cup of, like heating a cup of tea sort of firebending, you know? Yeah, yeah, like Uncle Iroh. The uh, living together in harmony pre-Fire Nation attacked fire. Mm-hmm. That sort of, that sort of jish. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. For sure. Great. Uh, well, yeah, that's well, perfect because we're starting book three, Fire, this very episode. Yeah, I also want to say that did not influence my answer. I did not have that as like a fun thing. Oh, good. That's, I work, th that's what we want from our guests is to, they want, we want them to actively refuse to segue into anything, but just like resist fear. <laughs> just make it really yeah, no fun. Allowed. No. <laughs> but yeah, we are in Book I, Three Fire. Yeah, go ahead. And I think it holds to its name. Like, I was watching, and I almost never do this. I think this is the first time ever that I watched the previously on Avatar 
uh, and, but I couldn't figure out how to skip this on this TV. But I watched it, and it was literally all Zuko scenes. Like it was all set up from like the, we all we saw that Aang got struck by lightning, but everything else in the previously on Avatar for this episode was about Zuko, and like all of the interesting plot stuff in this episode was about Zuko, and it really seems like he's because like. We we talked about him as like the secondary protagonist or like the deuteragonist of the show, but like in this episode, it really feels like he is the lead character. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a big big time for him. He's he's finally coming home. It is. Yeah, he's in a very like transitory period in his life, and that's like kind of uh, I love that this is like a theme for each premiere that we've had so far. Um, every premiere of the show like per season starts on a boat, first of all. <laughs> um, and so this idea of like moving across water is sort of like this metaphor for moving from one state to another. Um, and then we also have this idea of Aang being asleep in each of them. Uh, like obviously book one, he's in the iceberg asleep. Book two, we start with this like dream sequence where he's like dreaming about the avatar state and he wakes up. And then this one, obviously the awakening, we literally are like, like the first shot is Aang's eyes opening after being asleep. So I love this idea of these like metaphors or like ideas of like moving from one place to another. It's good stuff. I had not thought about any of that stuff. But that's <laughs> great. Yeah, I didn't notice either. Mm -hmm. I did. I did think starting it, <clears throat> starting this episode the way that they did was really good because I remember the first time I watched this, I was really. Uh, confused as to what was going on and more worried because uh, it's like a full uh, misdirect um, which I thought was a nice nice way because you think he's in danger but yeah, you do and then even like after the the initial thing where like Katara shows up and Toph is there and Sokka's in the Fire Nation outfit and Aang passes out, they cut to Zuko and Mei also on a Fire Nation ship. And so I'd never thought about it like this before, but in that moment I was like, wait, like, could they, it seems like they could be on the same ship. <laughs> yeah, that, I, they do a really good job of like disorienting you. Like, um, first of all, Aang has hair, which we've never seen before. That's brand new. Biggest yeah, thing to happen in the series, I think. Absolutely. I mean, he's like flabbergasted. That's the thing I think he takes the hardest is the fact that he gets there. Um, but yeah, then, it, it is. I mean, you joke perhaps, but it is sort of like a shock to even see it because we've spent so long with this character of him not having hair, and to see it is weird to see that like it's it's like where the arrow is. I don't. I guess. Mm -hmm. I guess that I that obviously that's his forehead, but it's it is disorienting to see our bald-headed boy with hair. I think it, it, it would have been good if the hair grew back in the shape of the arrows. Just <laughs> like all, all over. Yeah, all over his body, though. Oh, my. On his back. Yeah. <laughs> On his arms, his legs, everywhere. Wow. Then Egg would really be relatable to middle school me, who was just <laughs> grabbing hair everywhere. Then I would really relate to Egg, his struggle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh yeah i just love that the that's like a great way to like throw you off first of all and then you see all the fire nation stuff and then like you hear these voices and maybe you recognize them as like pipsqueak and the duke like these like the very story. yeah super characters have spoken a lot in the series <laughs> right these characters from book one who maybe had one or two lines in one episode 
Like that's mm -hmm. a great way to like maybe hint at what's going on to the viewer, but it's still like such a like what the hell is going on moment. It's great. Good stuff. Yeah. Good job, team. And just to see the I mean to Sokka's in the soldier's outfit and it's just like it's a very dreamlike disorienting uh visual. I love Sokka in the outfit because it's like okay, everybody else has Fire Nation clothes on, but nobody's wearing that mask. Sokka's just wearing it around. Like he didn't know Aang was gonna wake up. He just wears it. <laughs> He's fully committed to the act. Good for him. <laughs> yeah, meanwhile, Katara just has like a cape on. Yeah. <laughs> she's she's not really full bore about this idea Sokka is. And of course, like, you can just imagine that conversation. Like Sokka's like, yeah, guys, we gotta just be full out. And Katara's like, just put on some red. Like they won't <laughs> notice. They don't care. Only Fire Nation people wear red, apparently. So if if anyone looks at her head on, they'll see the blue beneath and know that she's Water Nation. True. That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Risky. Um, it is it's Katara, that risk taker. You know, she lives on the edge. Um, speaking of, I, I was, yep. Oh, sorry. No, you go. Oh, I was just gonna say, like, speaking of Katara, though, I feel like um, I really, I always forget like Katara's little subplot in this episode, and I actually really like it a lot. Um, mm -hmm. I, it feels like one of those subplots that probably would make people dislike her because she's a woman having an emotion and people just don't like cotton to that very well sometimes. Um, but I just like, love this idea of like her kind of projecting her feelings about her dad onto Aang in this moment. Um, especially since it's like last season, uh, she like graciously let Sokka go see their dad without her. And like in the moment, you just think it's like just a really altruistic thing she's doing. But now this like really recontextualizes that moment where you're like, did she just not want to see her dad because she knew she would have these really complicated emotions about it? Um, it's just like a great writing decision to like have that little bit of drama here. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that too. Like it adds a bit more color onto why she did that. Even if like it wasn't planned at that time, but it's just like, it makes so much sense. And I'm glad that we get this like alternate to Katara or like Sokka was obviously very super stoked to see his dad at the end of book two. And it's nice to like see this from her side. Uh, and it just makes a lot of sense. Are you a Katara fan, Matt? Um, yeah, I like her. I think she's a good character. Um, and this this uh, subplot she has in this episode, I, uh, it hit it hit me uh, <laughs> definitely the first time I watched it. But then when I rewatched it again, I teared up a little bit because it's like you know, it's relatable. <laughs> Right. Yeah. This. I mean, it doesn't even have to be apparent. Just this idea of like someone leaves your life for like maybe good reasons, and like in this case, like for a good reason. But it's mm -hmm. especially if you're a young child, it's just hard to accept that that had to happen. Um, so it's like you said, it's totally relatable. Um, and it's a great. Like I love the way they cut from that scene of Hakoda and Katara having this moment where Hakoda, like Hakoda, is talking all about how his love for his kids is what got him through Like his love for Sokka and Katara is so unconditional. And then we cut to Ozai talking. <laughs> he's just like instantly is like listing all these accomplishments of his children. And that's their value to him is right. what can you do for me? And so I just, uh, that's such a great way to really frame these two characters um, and make more sense of like why our main characters act the way they do. Yeah, that juxtaposition was really good. 
Um, it's great. Yeah. I, I love it. The show's so good. I keep saying this, but <laughs> it, yeah. it continues to be true. So why shouldn't I say it? Exactly. If it's true, just it's say the it. truth there. Time. <laughs> right. And then, uh, yeah. So this is also the first episode where we get to see the Fire Nation, like soil, pretty much. Like we've seen that yeah. island before, the Roku Island. Um, but this is the first time we're really like seeing the capital, which is cool. Um, and I believe that a lot of the set design, or not set design, I don't even know what you call it. Like the background art for the Fire Nation is based on, I'm pretty sure, like Iceland, I want to say. Um, really? Like a very volcanic sort of island, I guess. So that's why yeah. it's like, so you're expecting like lava everywhere, but it's very green in the Fire Nation, which I like that idea. The, what's it called? Nutrient rich soil from the volcanoes. Right. It's true. Yeah. But all that center of the earth uh, dirt. <laughs> yeah, dirt is what I mean. The <laughs> they got the good dirt over there on Fire, yeah. on the Fire Nation. Makes those plants grow good. <laughs> it does. You would um, think they would be earth funders, but... No, you no. would be incorrect. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and then we also, though, do... We also... Yeah, go ahead, say. I was just gonna say we also started the episode off with seeing Zuko and May have a little kissy kiss, <laughs> uh, which is something that they hinted at, like in their past, all throughout book two. But we never, it, we didn't really see them interact very much, and or maybe at all in real time uh, until the finale. But now they're like already together, which I like that they sort of just like skipped over that. They're like they're together now, for sure. Yeah, it's like it's a good way of showing like Zuko like getting everything he could possibly ever want. Like he get, he's getting his honor back. He's getting the girl. He's getting everything supposedly. So that's a a cool way to do that. Um, to talk about honor for a second, like I'm all for Zuko and Aang parallels, but that was too much. It was too much. <laughs> it was. It was not well done. It was not original. It was not good. <laughs> yeah. You mean you didn't like the hammer to the head of, I need my honor back, smash cut to Zuko, walking up into the room where he lost his honor. It wasn't for me. Um, and I feel like, I felt like for the first time that I was not being trusted as a viewer to understand <laughs> a character's emotions or like, what was going on in the show like i feel like we've praised the show in the past for like believing that children can understand the story they're telling and then in this moment they're like really forcing something down my throat yeah um because it's like i don't know i feel like you can arrive at the idea of like honor is what a is what's on ang's mind but it's like the fact that he names it that and uses that exact phrase is like kind of yeah it's tough to swallow because it's like yeah we get it but it's i feel like the the emotion is a lot more complicated than that mm -hmm. like, yeah i don't feel like he lost his honor like I, that wasn't like what i would have ascribed to what was going on unless he said that and i still don't really buy that that's how he feels yeah i mean the whole honor line also just sounds like something ang wouldn't say like right, he said, yeah. I need to redeem myself, and that's much more believable. It also hits the same, but then they just hit the same note twice. 
Yeah, or like restoring the world's faith in the Avatar or something. Like, it's just not honor. That's just yeah, not he, what he's never talked about. about honor. Yeah, he's never been worried about seeing being seen as an honorable person. It's always about like being what the world needs. Um, so yeah, I, I that's, that's such a clunky transition in the show. Like we said, that usually is so good about being very or like at least gently easing you into it or accepting that they don't need to say it out loud all the time. Because to me, it's like, like we said, it's not really about honor for Aang. In a lot of ways, it's about pride is what it feels like to me. Um, mm -hmm. I kind of touched on this before when we were talking about like the spoiler, like section, like leading up to this. Um, but this like little plot line for Aang feels in a lot of ways, like a mini like version of Zuko's journey in the last book where Zuko too was stripped of his identity and like forced to live in obscurity after being like a very public figure. Uh, and so like a lot of Zuko's struggle in last season was his pride because he couldn't be Prince Zuko anymore. Uh, now Aang can't be the avatar anymore. And so it's uh, that's like the main emotion. That's what it should have been about is like Aang's pride here and mm -hmm. accepting that he doesn't have to be this big figure in order to save the world he can do it quietly um so yeah. yeah yeah he's so used to being the hero and now it's better if he's just not uh right. that's another thing about this episode is like uh i mean guitar pretty much lays it out but ang uh thinks he has to do everything himself you know and he refuses to let other people help him uh, which again, I thought was very relatable. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. We've. Um, yeah. It's just like such a like you said, a relatable idea of like it takes a lot of uh, like humility in order to admit that you need help from people. Um, and so humility and pride. We sort of, like Iroh has talked about that before. This idea of like humility versus pride, and they may not be like exact opposites. Um, so it's like in this moment, it feels like. Uh, Aang could use like an Iro um, pep talk or pep talk or something. Yeah, one of his little metaphors. Yeah, his metaphors. That's what Iro does. Um, I wish we saw Iro. Did we I we didn't see Iro in this episode. It's so, true. Yeah, like we don't yeah. know his fate right now. Yeah, we don't see him for a while. I think yeah. if I'm remembering right. Right. Um, that's a, a great also thing about this episode is that they leave that little mystery there. Like we really don't know like where Iroh is. We know where Zuko is. We know where the Aang in that group is, but, and we know like even the fate of Bossing say, we, we go into a lot of detail about these sort of things. We even know where the fucking earth King is. <laughs> and it's there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I like that idea of like his fate is still very much in the up in the air, but you know, you could, I know there's like a lot of, conspiracy theories about like um the death of mako iroh's voice actor and like the fact that iroh's like very like his role is very like reduced in this first part of this book um and so there's like arguments about like oh did like were these episodes made after that like did they know his health was in decline or something like that but as far as i know I believe that it was just like a coincidence that they just so had like, like they were already going to have Iroh be like a very reduced character um, at the beginning. I mean, it must have been, they like had his, the new guy in for parts of book two. So like they, that just is, wouldn't have been how it worked. Timeline. Right. 
Right. Yeah. yeah I, um, not a happy accident, but it that's just the way it was. It worked out that way. People on the internet love uh, coming up with theories to explain things. They do. <laughs> they really do. Yeah, it's just like sometimes that's just the way they were writing the cartoon, guys. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that deep. There's, sometimes just, Will Smith is improvising about his real father on the set of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and they make the whole episode be about that instead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they didn't write that at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, little do people know, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was all improv. Yeah, <laughs> every moment, every second. <laughs> That makes it all the more impressive, honestly. Mm -hmm. yeah. When Carlton busted out that dance, the whole crew just couldn't stop cracking up. <laughs> cool. yeah. Uh, so yeah, we we do get to learn, of course, about the fate of Bossing Say, and that means we get to we get to check on the tea shop. Uh, we get to see the refugee family again, which is interesting. Um, I do also like that we get to revisit um, the turtle ducks as well in this episode. Oh, um, I fucking love those. Cute little turtle ducks. <laughs> Still my number one cutest animal in the Avatar universe. I agree. They, look, I, uh, I love how Avatar, all of their animals are just combinations of animals that exist in the real world. But when they made turtle ducks, they really hit a home run. They knocked it out of the park. <laughs> Uh, can we get some scientists on this and make them a reality? Because I want one. <laughs> right. And I'm glad no one threw a rock at them this time. Right. Yeah. I do love that moment of, like, we see Izuko, like, gently throwing the breadcrumbs in the water like his mom taught him. And then as soon as Azula's shadow appears, they book it out of there. <laughs> They're like, <laughs> we, please, we do not want to be annihilated by this woman again. Um, I just love that little moment because... Yeah. That's a moment of the show trusting you to remember that that's a thing that happened that in an off, like a an offhand remark by a character last season. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's also a little telling because like you know in that scene he's like, why haven't I seen father yet? But also like he didn't go see his father first. He went to that duck pond where he would sit with his mom. So he probably wants to be with his mom really. Yeah, that's a good way to think about. It. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I also instead. Right, yeah, I don't think anyone would want to. See, that's like the worst downgrade ever. It's you want to see your awesome, amazing mom, and then it's Azula, your terrifying sister, who is just a master of political manipulation, amazing instincts. Like she has no way of knowing there's magical spirit water in this world, but she just planned to just in case there was a way to bring Ang back from the dead. Like that's fucking genius. Good for her, honestly. Yeah. I think that is genius. I wish that we had heard some sort of, like, now that the Avatar is dead, we're, like, going, we're sending operatives to the North Pole and the South Pole to, like, something. Like, we didn't get anything like that. And I know that we know that when the Avatar dies in the Avatar state, the Avatar cycle is gone forever. But it, Aang was surprised by that. And I feel like no one really knows that. Like, it's probably, like, an Avatar secret that only the Avatars pass down from Avatar to Avatar to Avatar. And I just feel like we're it's missing just a, that little push that I would love to see that they're thinking of it. Right. Yeah, it almost, it, it makes you think of, um, we've talked about Buffy the Vampire Slayer on here many a time. But it's, it, like, this is a plot line in Buffy where 
the main character at one point does die and it's a very similar situation. But in that show, they just are like, Hey, she did kind of reincarnate, but also she's back. So now there's two of them. Um, but they don't really touch on that in this um, episode. But fortunately my child brain had a fully planned out fan fiction that did address this issue. But um, <laughs> sadly it never made it onto the page. So we'll never know. Do you remember? Do you remember any? If I do, I refuse to release that <laughs> to the world for my own pride. That is the theme of the episode, pride. Mm -hmm. It's a bit harder to do in the Avatar universe since it is a full rebirth, and like to have that, like to have a water baby join the gang might be a bit much. Like this <laughs> new toddler, not even a toddler, he'd have to be carried around the entire time, and you know that Sokka would end up doing it, uh, which would be really fun, honestly, to have that <laughs> as part of the final season of the show. Maybe if they got book four, we would discover that Aang actually actually had rebirthed. Uh, but unfortunately, they did not have this sort of time. It's true. <laughs> unfortunately, Nickelodeon, you know what you have to do. And then, like, Aang would be, like, spiritually guiding someone from afar while still being alive. Look, it, ha it has legs. It has legs. That's all I can <laughs> say. I, hold on. So if Aang... Did Aang actually die for a little bit? Like how some people die for seven seconds and then come back? I think he did. He was like, I was gone. Like they, he doesn't say he died, but he said he was gone and then he got brought back. It seems like they're talking around death to me. Right. So then if he died, did somebody like instantly did, you know, his spirit instantly get reincarnated for like seven seconds and then Katara brought him back and then the... <laughs> Poor baby is like, no, I'm not the avatar anymore. <laughs> and that may be. I mean, like, the unfortunately, they do have the contingency that he did die while in the avatar state. So oh, right, right, he right. was not brought back to life. But I feel like if he were to die and then be brought back to life, his spirit would go into a little baby and then be stripped back out of that baby. Nope. Sorry. And be really, like, really traumatic. The baby that the Avatar gets reincarnated into already exists before the Avatar dies. Right. Is my understanding. Like that baby's right. gonna come out no matter what, and then it's just like it gets yes. popped in there. Like it is a do you what if there was a plot? Okay, this could be <laughs> next show stuff, but like okay. what if someone got pregnant and then at the exact moment of their birth, sent out assassins to go kill the Avatar in order to force the Avatar to reincarnate into this baby. Whoa. Someone needs to get on this. <laughs> this could be the next show. That right. could be good. It could it, be good. <laughs> I think so. I think you've got an idea. Um, not gonna... I certainly have an idea. I'm not going to describe any adjectives to the idea, but it's it's an idea. <laughs> yeah. I would watch. I know. I know you would, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I just uh yeah. I just I guess go back to this actual episode what they did <laughs> right. Um, uh I do love we kind of talked about this before the um like Sokka like being so gung ho about this plan. I like this like di like uh dichotomy between Sokka and Aang here, or Sokka's all about the pragmatism of like, yeah, just pretend you're dead. That's the best thing to do in this situation. And Aang just can't bring himself to do it uh, because, like, emotionally, it feels wrong to him. Uh, mm -hmm. And I love that Katara is like kind of that sort of 
the mediator between the two. Like she gets where, like she's obviously a more emotion driven person. So she gets where Aang is coming from, where that would be a bad thing for him to do emotionally. Um, but yeah, I just like that little character note of Sokka just like doesn't even think about it that way. Like he doesn't see the problem at all. I think that there's a lot of very true to character stuff in this episode. Like I, I, while watching the episode, I was very confused by Aang's reaction to run away. And I had, we had no idea where he was planning to go. And now I'm thinking about it that he didn't know where he was going to go. And it's just the exact same thing that he did a hundred years ago after he found out he was the avatar in the first place. So now that he finds out that the world thinks that he's not the avatar anymore, he's the exact same reaction. Yeah. That's yeah, a good point. <laughs> yeah, they do a really good job of like uh paralleling these like past events. Like we get a lot of parallels, like you said, to Aang's first sort of runaway moment where his like his initial instinct always is to just flee, which is also his fighting style. Um so that makes a lot of sense. But like there's a storm here, there's lightning, he goes under for a little bit, just like he did before. Um, Plus, it feels like, I mean, he runs into a Fire Nation blockade, and it feels like if he had flown a different direction from his air temple, he may have hit a Fire Nation army at some point, because I like, it feels like pretty immediately the air nomads were wiped out after he was, he ran away. True. Yeah. Um, I think on the map, they're right next to each other. I could be wrong. Uh, I think so. Yeah, the Southern Air Temple and Fire Nation are pretty close, I want to say. So, like, he could have, if he had gone that way, I don't remember if we ever hear, I, I believe he says at some point where he was going, but I don't know if we know where that was, or if that was in some, like, tertiary work. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's on I the have no idea. <laughs> um, yeah, and then we also get a lot of, like, parallels to um, the spirit world, like, two-parter here, because, first of all, we see the Crescent Moon Island again, which is where the temple was. And we get another blockade. Uh, and we also, I feel like I was getting a lot of like Zuko infiltrating the Northern Water Tribe vibes here um, with the site, like where Aang would have to go under the water. And we even see some like turtle seals essentially under there, which we saw way back when Zuko was mucking about up there. Um, and then he goes up for air. It just like, I love these little notes of like resonance, um, like Aang. Because it makes sense because Aang is emotionally just like kind of reverting to the his like past self, um, which is especially like upsetting given like he we feel like he grew a lot back in the guru, like uh like unlocking those chakras. It seemed like he was working through his guilt, through his pride, all these different negative emotions, and now he's kind of back at square one in a lot of ways. That hair really brought him back, it took him down a couple of pegs. <laughs> yeah. Once uh once your hair changes, you become a completely different person. That is a fact. I mean, I sometimes mean, feel like sometimes hair, you sometimes your emotions change, bring about a change in your haircut, but sometimes a change in your haircut can bring out a whole different side of you that you didn't even know existed. It's true. I mean, I have this theory that Zuko's only was only able to go through this emotional journey because he cut off his ponytail. The ponytail was where all the evil was stored, and once he cut it off. Well, it was pulling his skin too tight. Like, I feel like once he let go, he was finally able to let go. It's, oh, hello. Yeah. Mm. Wow. <laughs> Are you uh, <laughs> I think I, I, I 
feel the most connected to him. Yeah, I feel like we're very equal spirits. It's true. Uh, but this is also right when we get Yue's return, which is great. And I feel like I've never really thought about like why Yue specifically shows up here. But to me, it like makes perfect sense on this rewatch because I'm thinking in this moment, like Aang is so upset by the idea of the world thinking he's dead again. And then this character shows up who literally lost her life for the cause. Like she was fine with dying for the world's fate. Like she didn't need the accolade. No one like knows that happened even really. Like no one knows she's literally the moon spirit now. It's, it was not about pride for UA in any way. It was p a purely selfless act. And so I feel like that was kind of what Aang, did, Aang needed was this reminder of like, yeah, some people have literally died for this, for like for your journey to keep going. So to kind of throw it away for your own pride would be a huge mistake. So I love, I love that choice to bring her in at this moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. You needed to come in and remind him that Kim, there's people that are dying. <laughs> uh, maybe don't be so emotional when you just have to claim death. You don't even have to live it. Exactly. And honestly, if he were to live it, he would just come back as we discussed. So it's like, he's really, he's a lot of emotion for safe. <laughs> yes. And then, I mean, he also, like we said, he's like really struggling with this idea of like, having help from people. So it's it's great that UA literally is the push. Like he doesn't waterbend the waves to push himself to the island. UA does it for him. Um, so he literally just has to allow himself to be helped along by uh, an outside force, which is great. Love that. And also yeah. Roku's there. <laughs> and what does Roku even... What does Roku even do here? He's sort of just like, yep, it's my fault. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, we get all these like great, we get a great father figure in Hakoda. We get a horrible father figure in Ozai. And then you got this like medium father figure of Roku who's like, yep, sins of the father. I'm right here. Here I am. You kind of have to deal with what I have to go through, but it, it's okay. You know, <laughs> um, you can do it, come on. Yeah. It's like Roku's like a well-meaning sort of dad, I guess. Like he's nice. But he also like clearly did a lot wrong in his life, and now he's foisting those problems on you. Um, but he's doing it in a nice way, and yeah. Ang doesn't seem to have a problem with it. So, <laughs> yeah, I feel like he is sort of. He, I'll save it for the <laughs> <laughs> too much to go into now. My goodness. I mean, I we are a pretty anti Roku podcast. Oh shit. <laughs> it appears we have a fire alarm going on. Um, it's from all the, uh, <laughs> the from the heat we're spitting here against uh -huh. Roku. Yeah, um, but uh, I guess well, <laughs> well, Sam struggles with that emotionally. Um, uh, Matt, is there anything else you like want to get out about this episode um, before I guess we move on to spoiler territory? Um. I wrote one thing. Mm. Uh, we love just, this podcast. Oh, thank you. Yes. Uh, yeah, I listened to the last one and somebody mentioned notes and I was like, oh, fuck, I should do that. <laughs> um, you did. I did. Uh, kind of. It's all scribbles. I did them literally right before we hopped on. <laughs> the spirit of improv is alive. That's true. Except I wrote it down this time. 
<laughs> there you go. Uh, I only wrote. Very uh, of you. Yeah. <laughs> I only wrote. Um, what is it? All. All Azula knows is uh, shoot lightning, vibe for power, eat hot chip, and lie. Mm-hmm. And be bisexual. That's all she knows. Is she bi? I didn't know that. She is to us. Oh, cool. I don't even... I, I would say she is a lesbian, but... Well, no, I forgot about it a moment later, so... I know. <laughs> definitely a bi queen. She could be. And she, we could be whatever she wants to be, and it is mostly that she's a liar. <laughs> <laughs> That's the big sell. Like, yeah. Yeah, lying, lightning, eat hot chip, be bisexual. I don't want to construe and conflate being bisexual and lying because I don't think that those are necessarily in link. But when it comes to Azula, it is one of the she is both of those things. Right. They're yeah. not really. It's yeah. It's just a coincidence that she happens to be both bisexual and a terrifying lying monster of mm-hmm. a person. <laughs> you can be bisexual and have never told a lie in your life. It's true fact and i'm certain that there are far more honest good and valorous bisexuals than there are evil conniving lying bisexuals and both are equally valid (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) if you are an evil conniving bisexual thank you for listening to our podcast (laughs) (laughs) oh man uh so that is a great great final note before we move into spoiler territory i think well, before we do spoilers, we should th- th- to talk about something a little, go- or should we wait till the end to talk about the shorts? I feel like we're now on a roll through the episode, and we could talk about the shorts at the end, if that's what people are interested in. I don't know what we want to do. I think that makes sense to me, honestly. Okay, we'll put a, we'll put a little timestamp when the shorts start talking, if you want to skip over that. Sure. You shouldn't, but I guess I'll do that. No, I meant, like, skip over the spoilers to the shorts. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Can I have something real quick? Sure. Of course, Matt. Uh, my neighbor's dog just started barking. Can you guys hear that? No. <laughs> no. Okay, cool. Cool, cool. It's not cool. fire alarm level. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, um, well, so, Matt, do you want to tell the good people where to find you who may want to dip out now for spoilers but potentially come back to discuss some four minute long uh short episodes (laughs) yeah um you can follow me on twitter uh at cat underscore mample c-a-t-t underscore m-a-m-p-b-e-l-l and if you can't figure that out uh just look at my name in this episode and swap the first two letters or the first letter of my first name and the first letter of my last name. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's spoonerism. Yes. Wow. Yeah, if you can figure out that Silent Hill-esque puzzle, you can find <laughs> Matt Campbell on the internet. Yeah. If you get to my account, don't be scared. Pyramid Head will show up and ask you to answer uh, riddles or something. I've never played those games. <laughs> it's it, That's basically the gist of it. It's fine. Well, you can find me at Rain Derricks on Twitter, and you can find us at, Twitter, at Bitter Jurors Pod on Twitter and Instagram.
I'm at Sam Stanish on Instagram and Twitter, and you can follow my other podcast at Word on the Streets, STR8S on Instagram and Twitter. Our beautiful guest this week, former employee of Word on the Straits, Matt Campbell <laughs> used to edit for us, and it's a great show. Uh, you can follow, also subscribe to my Substack, samstanish.substack.com. A public journal. Um, anyway, let's talk spoilers. Okay, to go back to what I was hinting at earlier, Roku was like, I should have seen this war coming. <laughs> and it's like, you knew, you were there. You, you, didn't, you did see it coming. You decided to do nothing. That's a little right. too much neutral thing from the previous Avatar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His friend though, he didn't want to like fight his friend, right? Yeah, well, uh, speaking of the different kinds of bisexuals, we had the evil and then we had the good. And once again, Roku, right in the middle. He's this kind of <laughs> radical centrist version of a bisexual where he's like, you know, I really want to fight my ex-boyfriend to save the world, but also I don't because of reasons. I don't know. The dick was too good. We don't know. So, And, and this is the guy who's going to come back in the finale of this show and be like, yeah, Aang, you really should kill the Fire Lord. And it's like, okay, but I wouldn't have to if you had done it and you couldn't do it. And now you're trying to tell me to do it. It's a little, it's a little much. I feel like the fire alarm is going to come on again because I'm talking shit about Roku, but I don't care. Yeah. That guy's terrible. He's in your apartment just lighting a little spirit flame under your uh, alarm. Wouldn't put it past him. It's not the worst thing he's ever done. Yeah, hey, yeah, you know, just let the world fall into horrible, terrible chaos for a hundred years. Yeah, I love, I love that he kind of undersells it. He's like, this was perhaps my fault, Aang, and it's your duty to fix it. Like, okay, thanks, bud. He's really, really hoping that Aang never has an avatar vision or whatever happens in, the, in that episode. <laughs> like, there, I know I know that Zuko's looking at scrolls, but I forget how Aang is seeing the visions, too. Uh, whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, Roku. Um, but I also, like, there's some great foreshadowing here for the, fin- the finale finale. Uh, which is this, uh, they kind of introduced this idea of like, this tie between the wound that Aang has and like the Avatar state or like the spirit, like uh, Katara talks about like a lot of energy sort of being balled up here in this wound. And so obviously that's going to come back in a big way when it gets poked by a rock and then Aang goes crazy. <laughs> that is what happens. <laughs> I feel like this, I feel like book one was about establishing the avatar's place in the world and what the avatar does for this world. And book two is about Aang's place as the avatar in this current time. And then book three, I feel like is about Zuko. It is in a lot of ways. And then it comes back to be about Aang right at the end when he kills Zuko's dad. It doesn't come, (laughs) but. Which is also in a way about Zuko. Yeah. I agree. I feel like I had a different non-jokey ending to my book one, book two, book three thing, but now I can't remember what I was going to say. It is still about Aang, and it's about his, like, conflict. Like, I feel like they've established now, like, because I, oh, I was going to connect it to that. In book two, we barely learn anything about the Avatar 
like our previous avatars after the first episode where like we learn about the avatar state from Roku. But then I feel like we don't see Roku again at all throughout the whole season. And it's like just about Aang and which I think is really great. And not, but now we're back and we're, we're already seeing Roku and we're going to see and learn a lot more about the history in this book. Yeah, for sure. Like we learned a little bit about Kiyoshi and avatar day, but all we learned was that she killed a guy. Um, <laughs> Which I mean, cool. That's awesome. But yeah, the, this like like you said, we learned a lot about Roku this season, and like that ties into once again Zuko, who is clearly the real main character here. Um, which yeah, I like. I am very excited to get to that sort of bit um, where we learn more about this idea of Roku and Sozin being the descendants or being ascendants is that the word whatever the opposite of a descendant is ancestors forefathers ancestors great grandfathers grandfathers i forget uh but yeah good stuff in regards to like you said zuko's story in this book is great very excited to get to that um it's also like where he actually truly becomes good yeah Um, you know has to like fight for uh, the trust of the gang. Oh yeah, also great. I, I feel like also like he is in this episode finding his honor restored from like externally, but he is now realizing that he doesn't really care about that and just wants to be at peace with himself as opposed to like he's he's finally getting everything he wants and he's realizing that he doesn't want it anymore like it's not mm-hmm. his worldview has changed and he's changed as a person and he has like a much higher opinion of who he is as a person and doesn't need this external validation anymore and he's like discovering that oh i do think there's also a little bit where he is worried that he got all this back under false pretenses like he knows ang probably isn't dead because guitar showed him that water um yeah, so he knows there's a chance that Aang isn't dead. Um, yeah, so there's like, yeah, it's, um, yeah, you get this idea of like, oh, maybe there's like this potential like drama that's going to occur where they find out Aang's alive. But that's what Zuko, that's Zuko, it's like his honor is going to be taken from him. But I love that like by the time they do find out Zuko or Aang's still alive, Zuko doesn't need it anymore. That's a great sort of like moment potentially my favorite moment of the show is when Zuko confronts his dad for a final time. Um, and so, yeah, I like that. I like, they sort of plant the seed of like, it's almost like a, what you would spe- expect, like a 45 minute, like dramedy to do of like, Ooh, here's a secret that a character has. And if they, if it's revealed, their whole life's going to blow up. But for Zuko, he gets past the point of it mattering when it does occur, which is good. We love mm-hmm. Zuko. Oh, it's crazy to think that the that moment though is like coming up pretty soon. Like Dave Black Sun is not too far away. Yeah, I mean, there's we do. I like that we get back to this like uh, town of the week stuff in the Fire Nation. Um, but there's it is just halfway through the season. But there aren't there aren't two parters until then. I don't think so. It'll it's a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also did. Speaking of like future episodes, we get um, our first, I believe, mention of Ember Island here, right? Uh, they talk about one of the generals going on vacation there or something. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, that's how they find. I love that little <laughs> comedy moment of he's like 
no one ever tells me anything. That's his reaction yeah. to that news. It's not like, hey, that's suspicious. It's the first reaction is no one talks to me. <laughs> <laughs> There's insecurities on all sides of the war. It's true. No matter how high up in position you might be. It's true. Poor guy. I don't think yeah. we even knew his name before he got plunged into the ocean. <laughs> I did Which, like uh, that part of the episode when... Uh, Hakoto, I, I think, I don't know if I'm their dad. Yeah. Uh, and that other guy, they just do great improv. <laughs> yeah, fire Nation <laughs> comes up and the Fire Nation is like, hey, we told all the Western fleet to go this way. And then uh, their dad is just like, oh, well, we're, you said the Western fleet? We're from the Eastern fleet. <laughs> <laughs> great thinking. <laughs> we oh, thought yeah, you said, okay. I thought you said Weast. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, um, yeah. Uh, clearly, great improv um, going down there at the um, UCB uh, Southern Water Tribe chapter that they have yeah. going down there. I mean, Hakoda and Bato make a great two prov team. They always have to hear Bato tell the stories, but uh, I, I, they're what's it called when they did the Ocean Spirit bit on the Grand Grand? Hilarious stuff. Exactly. <laughs> That's what the Katara really was missing emotionally in her life was improv. Yeah, the joy she, of it. Like, Dad, <laughs> Sokka can't. Yes, and <laughs> Sokka's too much. Of a, he's too pragmatic. He'll just say no to everything. Yeah. <laughs> can't help it. Um, but yeah, so that's yeah, lots of exciting stuff. Obviously, because we are literally in the final season of the show. Um, very, just very excited to get to all that. But like we said, though, some fun town of the week slash 80s movies pastiches are coming down the, the pipeline, which is also exciting, honestly. I'm glad we've moved past the Star Wars stuff exclusively and moved on to other 80s things. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like that comes back because Sokka gets a sword made out of like a meteorite. Yeah, <laughs> kind of feels like a lightsaber. Absolutely. It does. <laughs> Oh man. So yeah. Um, any other, I guess, spoilery thoughts before we, I guess, talk about the shorts. I just want to say, I love the theater episode. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's, that's so I mean, that, what a, like I, I wish more shows would have the very last episode before the grand finale be a, a comical recap of, every, of everything that's happened before from the perspective of the evil people. That's just right. genius writing. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I only wish that they had had the budget in Legend of Korra to do a similar thing, but they had to do the chibi little bubbles instead, which yeah. uh, brings us directly into our next segment of the show. Uh, we're talking about the super deformed shorts a little bit here, which I feel like perhaps many people who are new to the show might not even be familiar with, but like they were, they're just these little four-minute cartoons that would air on Nick, like, in a commercial break or something? I don't even remember when they would air. But they, but then they also got released on the DVDs with the shows. So, like, they're just these three random little cartoons that are just these cute little chibi adventures in a non-canonical world where all the characters, like, go to school together. Right. Uh, Matt, had you seen these before? Were you familiar before you were tasked with watching them? No, I had no idea they were a thing. Uh, until Sam told me to watch them. 
<laughs> okay, well, now I'm interested. What were your thoughts on, I guess we should, what, what, what's the order we're going to talk about these, first of all? I feel like... Um, the order is, from the Avatar Wikia, is Bending Battle, then the Swamp one, and then School Time Shipping. Interesting. That feels backwards to me, because I feel like, because Toph's not in the Swamp one. So it feels like it should be, like, Swamp... Whatever. But who am I to question the Avatar Wiki? I'm well, so she's sorry. not in the swamp. Right, I, whatever. We <laughs> Okay. So I guess, Matt, do you want to give us your thoughts off the dome? Um, first, initial reaction to bending battle, which is the one where they all show off their different bending styles. I thought this one was really fun. Um, I There's a lot of fun physical gags. It felt like a Looney Tune. Uh, <laughs> very Looney Tunes-y. Right. I, yeah. We, uh, <laughs> Lots of yeah. great violence occurs yeah. to Sokka. That's like this cornerstone of good cartoon humor is mm -hmm. someone getting eviscerated. Just pure yeah. abuse. They all just I love that. Sokka. <laughs> I love that since they like didn't I feel like in Avatar they're usually pretty I mean it's obviously still like magic, but like I feel like they're at least thinking about the physics of what is going on. But in these like tiny little things, there were so many very inventive and very interesting ways that they were using their elemental powers that we would never see, obviously a pinball machine or like Sokka getting split into 16 different little ice pieces and then put back together in the normal show. Right. Yeah. I, it just, it would have made the actual series so much easier if Katara could have just frozen the Fire Lord and chopped them yeah. up in ice cubes. Exactly. As always, she could have blood bent the Azula if she wasn't such a liberal. But okay, to talk about Katara again, Derek and I talked about this a little bit before, but she was really not thinking in that boat fight scene. Like having a waterbender of her prowess would be an event ender in any ocean faring fight but to also have the only metal bender in the world with you is like why didn't why didn't top get on katara's back they got on a little ice circle and then just like floated over to the fire nation ship top could have put her hand on it for one second and it would be done instead she makes the big miss thing mm -hmm. i'm done yeah. The also, the mist does nothing. They come out of it like a minute later. Immediately. She didn't even keep it with them. She wasn't like, okay, let's make this mist go with us. She's like, okay, well, that's all I can do. What's your guys' plan? And then so also in that scene, Toph hit something out of the air with a rock that like, how did she see that? Regardless, back to the shorts. Uh, I loved the bending battle, and I thought that the little that tiny button at the end with Iroh being like, all of them are good, but fire is the best. It was very funny. Yes. Yeah. I love the music in these shorts too. Like they have, it seems like it was made like composed specifically for these shorts. Cause it's like an original music. It sounds like, but I love that. Like goof. I, I don't know how to describe it. It's like almost like bass boosted like version of the fire nation theme that they play at the end. Once he says that it's really good. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, this one's fun. Um, we get a massive booger from Toph. I like this character continuity <sighs> for her. Love that for her. Oh, I, I also love her. love her hair. The hair design yeah. up top is is very good. I feel like some of the characters look very like directly similar. Like I feel like Zuko's whole body looks exactly like him, but Toph is very like char characterization. Or what is the word? Like stylized. Uh, like, what is the word for when a cartoonist draws you in a park? A caricature. Yes. 
that's <laughs> that's more Toph's vibe in these. Yes, I agree. I like that sort of um, note to her character design here. Uh, but I want to say though, Toph clearly the winner here. She literally reformed the surface of the Earth to the point where you could see it from outer space. That's just like, I'm sorry, but an arrow made out of clouds that's not that's not cutting it for me. I don't and understand. She added a little heart. Yeah, what like what the hell? Like I feel like it was biased judging on the part of Momo Napa honestly, but <laughs> what can I say? I love that little moment though of Appa turning the eight upside down. So cute. I love Chibi Appa, regular Appa, any kind of Appa, but Chibi Appa is just well, love him. I agree. Let's talk about swamp skiing something. Uh, this one was good. I like the. I feel like we didn't get enough of the swamp guys in their single episode. Like it feels like they should have been in more. But uh, I'm glad that we got to return to them here for this little fun random fight scene between Zaka and I. Wasn't really clear on the um, traditions of the swamp nation, and they felt like it was immediately necessary for them to have a fight after a challenge i didn't i was glad to get that sort of background story on what they were all up to for sure yeah, they're just like oh it's a swamp ski down <laughs> yeah i'm glad it's the same voice actors <laughs> like they got them to do these goofy little things um yeah it's i this one was probably my least favorite uh i agree I, as much as i love Chibi Saka getting beat up. <laughs> um, I don't know. And a teeny tiny little red butt cheeks. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I love, I mean, I honestly, I'll, I love the Swamp Bender so much. So I, I enjoy this one mm. a lot. But I agree. I, if we're ranking them, it's a number three. Honestly, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I still liked it. Um, but I do feel like the others were hitting on more things that I cared about. Like I, I lizard brain loved the, all the cool effects of the fight and like the elements of the first one. And then obviously there's a lot of shipping stuff to talk about with the third one. And then in this one, I was like, cool. The swamp. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't really get anything character wise other than like, Oh, Sokka learns to water ski. Oh, and he's like a neat freak. Apparently. I don't know. He invented water filtration, which is cool. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, that is good. Cool. With a pumpkin, which I guess they have pumpkins in this world. It's not At like least a in the TV world. Yeah, it's not like a pumpkin squash or some combo <laughs> sort of fruit thing. Um, don't know if a pumpkin is a fruit. We don't need to get into that here. It's um, a gourd. Oh, oh, boy. Okay, nerd. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, while we uh, shove Sam into a locker, let's talk about uh, school time shipping. Which this I one was great. Has to be the most contentious of the three, honestly, because it involves shipping. Matt, like, do you give do you give two rats asses about shipping in Avatar: The Last Airbender? I think I just, uh, I just go with what the show's feeding me: guitar and Aang, You know, yeah. <laughs> Sure, it makes sense. There's a weird age thing, I think, because she's like 15 and he's 12 or whatever, but... Right, so you're just a mindless consumer. You don't question <laughs> the product. 
unlike us over here, big brain guys. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, I will say though, that this, if, like, honestly, it ends with Zutara. That's the ending. Like, literally. Right. Well, that threw me off because, like, the water spirit is Zuko. I don't know if that has come up yet. But. Right. It's like, I don't, I think they were probably, like, goofily trying to be like, haha, we're taking this other option. But, guys, that's still Zuko. So, Zutara won. <laughs> I honestly, that's I. I don't know if I ever, when I watched through the whole series, I don't know if I ever picked up on anything romantic between Katara and Zuko. Do not say that here on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> we I heard it brought up on an earlier episode and I was brave and said what I thought. We don't like that here. We don't like brave people who say what they feel. We want you to confirm everything we say to you. I thought that this was very cute and I thought it was from the very beginning very cute just when like it starts with the big sea snake and then he's just a little tiny guy in this in this thing I I would love to see even more of these like I feel like that this is such a excellent like I don't even know ground for like other stuff like this. Like I feel like there's excellent, like there should, they should release a book of just like comic strips in this universe where like, it's just like four panel comics or something that like I would, I would eat, I would gobble that up. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I love just like all the little details. Like Wan Chi Tong is the school librarian. Um, and like, I love that Roku's there for just like a second. And then he like pieces out. There's right. a dance. His, oh, it's all my fault. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love that his dragon's parked outside next to the badger mole and uh, June's sheer shoe is there. Yeah. And I, it was interesting because to see the swamp benders and June in these shorts because, like, we see them in one episode previously, and but we know that they're like the swamp benders are in the day of Black Sun, and then June is a major part of the finale. So, like, it's good. It's cool to see that they're still like there. And I felt like it was interesting also to see like, just watching these things back to back. Like I watched the book three premiere and then these, like we saw the dragon and we saw UA and then, but we also and, like just seeing them. Cause like, I, it wasn't, I, it, like, I don't, I didn't even remember that UA ever showed up again or that anybody ever spoke about UA again, but then UA was in this short and in the book one premiere saw the dragon which is another character from earlier in the series that I didn't even remember was going to come up again. Uh, it was, I, I, the weird things of my mind just that I just do not recall about this show that I've been brought back to me at, on this rewatch has been, it's been great. It's been great to re actually remember things as opposed to just what time has made this show into for my mind. Thanks. Yeah. Hey, I, I love, I love those. Like you said, like, these minor characters re-showing back up in these shorts because I mean I feel like that speaks to the fan reaction more than anything. Like the uh, the creators sort of responding to the fact that like the fans remember those characters and we like we would build them up like in the fan community as like much larger than their actual role in the show was and like I feel like that's probably what inspired them to come back in like the actual canon of the show too was like the fact that the creators saw that there was such this passion for even the most random of characters um it, like haru too like <laughs> haru was a major part of this final short and they even added characterization onto him that i don't really feel was there in the original episode where Katara is like you're too emotional for me or something like that which is like 
maybe this alternate universe is like that, but it, I did not feel like that was the vibe Haru was giving <laughs> off, but maybe that's how the fans were reading him at the time. Could be, yeah. Yeah, he was like, yeah, the sensitive boy uh, in comparison. It was funny mm -hmm. that he just didn't talk in this one, though. <laughs> yeah, what was up with that? I guess they couldn't get the voice actor. Yeah. yeah. He made like a weird goat noise at one point. Is uh, weird. <laughs> you don't gotta pay goats. It's true. I mean, it's once again, like to call Haru too emotional and sort of make that a reason he, she doesn't pick him speaks a lot to me about Katang versus Utara. Never mind. I did love when uh, Katara rejected him and he just knocked their head off the statue and made the Tai Lee thing. So good. It is. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Good for oh, Haru. Like uh, oh, what's his name? The old Earth King guy. Boomy. Oh, Boomy? What was that? Boomy? Yeah, when Boomy shows up in the library. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great little bit. So cute. The animation in these also is really gorgeous. Really well done. Very fluid and fun and goofy. Great stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, um, so I guess I feel like we all agree that's the best of the three. Um, and if you don't agree, Matt, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I felt Five. like I felt like there was a lot of great character work in this one and there was a lot of great action in the first one. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. See, I just think the, these two are tied and then the swamp one is down. Yeah. Kind of the it's the these are like the A pluses then you got your A right there. For sure. It's fine. Uh yeah, so uh does that cover the ground. Sadly, these are the only ones of these that exist. Um, it would have been fun to see like something come in the middle of like book three or something, but uh, I, I guess it wasn't in the dice. I, w I would love to know like what the production story, like Nickelodeon, like who said to them, hey, we need you to do these little shorts for us to put like yeah. as bumpers or something. Mm -hmm. We need you to do these three and then none ever again. And you can never speak about them ever again either. And no one will even know they exist in 10 years. So that's what we need from you right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm always curious about that stuff because who knows what the hell is going on back there. But fortunately, they still managed to make some amazing art despite working for a weird, terrible company. Yeah, and we can be thankful for that. We can. Thank you. Um, well, um, thank you so much, Matt, speaking of thankfulness, for joining us. Um, and thank you all for listening. Uh, do you want to tell the people once again, one final time where they can find you. Uh, yeah, uh, just follow me on Twitter. Don't look into, don't, don't search for me anywhere else, please. Uh, 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 but I feel like that's a covert way of saying you have a parlor account. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm trying to take it down from the inside. <laughs> oh, mm -hmm. no, uh, I don't even know what that is. Oh, and I don't want to know. Yeah. We, yeah. yeah. That's a he whole nother podcast <laughs> yes which avatar characters have a parlor account that's like what we should ask ourselves i mean Definitely. i could guess and you guys could laugh at me not knowing things um anyway <laughs> we do that anyway um yeah just follow me on twitter it, it's just because it's the only one i'm really active on um at cat mamble uh don't look for me anywhere else you will not find anything sure wink <laughs> um well, you can find me at Rain Dirks on Twitter and Twitter only. Um, and you can find us at Bitter Pod on Twitter and Instagram.
I'm at Sam Stanish on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll have to get Sam Stanish on Parlor. Still don't really know oh, what that uh, is. Uh, and you can, you can follow my other podcast, At Word on the Straight. That's to our 8S on Instagram and Twitter. We talk about straight culture every week. Um, thanks. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Bye. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, Love you, Matt. Bye.